Hey, what's that noise? Do you, do you guys hear that? Flat? Is that Nick? No. You better pull over and yeah. see. Yeah. Hey, can somebody let me out? I'm, I'm getting hungry. I, I've been thinking about tamales all day, and, and I just, I, I want a tamale. Ah, tamales. Mm. Oh, yeah, I should open up the trunk here. Let me just get the keys out. Hey. Thanks for opening the trunk. It was getting hot back here. Yeah, no problem. Hey, you in the trunk and me with some mobsters, that reminds me of Goodfellas. Goodfellas? Yeah, yeah the movie, the Scorsese movie. Never seen it. Welcome to the TNM podcast, the podcast where we teach Nick movies. My name is Corey. I'm Nick. You're Nick. Uh, in this podcast, what we do is we teach Nick movies by assigning him a seminal film that he should have seen already but hasn't. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about how you? you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Um, Nick, one thing uh, I didn't do in the last episode, and I and I I think I should have done this, is just get a baseline for you and see what is your favorite movie. I, I never asked you that before. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, geez, I've got a couple. Um, the one that comes to the top of my head, I think you and I have talked about it before, is um, Jurassic Park. Steven Jurassic Spielberg, Park, classic. Yeah, yep, classic. Um, like you, I mean, I was I was a little younger, but. Um, it was. It's a very. The reason why it's one of my favorite movies. What, what is the age difference between us? Uh, I'm 28. 28, and I'm 32, so that's four years. Yeah, <laughs> I have a PhD. Nine thirty one. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it, it, it's a movie that really sticks out to me, and the reason why is because it was my first um, f- film I saw at a at a drive in. Okay. So you were Mac and girls in the back seat. Yeah, eight year old me, <laughs> not even special. that four year old me. I can't do. It. <laughs> I'm not a PhD. Um, yeah, I I remember just being blown away at the drive-in movie. Yeah, and and was I it, remember was, seeing the dinosaurs. And, so you were you actually saw it when you were. So, what it come out in ninety three three. So I was probably four. Yeah, you and you. I remember. Was that not too scary for you? Yeah, it was pretty scary, but yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I I remember my parents. Uh, so like we grew up, I grew up uh, in a town that was like forty minutes away from the the big city where there was a theater, and so it was really rare for us to go into town, especially you know not on a weekend, like on a weeknight. And I remember my parents asking me at the dinner table if I wanted to go see Jurassic Park that night. And that was like that. That was big news because I everyone at school was talking about Jurassic Park. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and dinosaurs. Were, I was eight years old. That was like yeah, prime yeah. Di- dinosaur territory. Um, 
And uh, and I had to promise that I wouldn't get too scared. I remember rationalizing, saying, well, I watch nature documentaries and I see lions eating gazelles and stuff and I'm okay with that. I was not okay with that. There was some really <laughs> scary stuff with that for an yeah. eight-year-old. And <clears throat> I remember that intro scene where um, it's like super in the yeah. dense jungle of, yeah. was it Costa Rica? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's an island off Costa Rica. Uh, an island off Costa Rica. I remember that scene. I remember that. And I got, I was pretty frightened. Yeah. And um, we were in the back of my dad's, um, pickup. He had like a camper shell. Yeah. And so I just, I think I just ended up just crawling in the back and not watching. But um, yeah, I, re- I remember that film and it's just, it's, it's a, cl- it was an instant classic and yeah. still it's one of my favorite yeah, yeah. of all time. Yeah. Um, Jurassic World 2 coming out this summer, I think. What do you think about that? Yeah. Did you, did you I, see the, the last one? one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I liked the, I liked it. Um, so <laughs> I still, I think I still have like I don't know if you want to call it PTSD or I still remember when uh, The Lost World came out yeah. and it was kind of a dud. Right. Even though um, uh, Jeff Goldblum was great yep. as usual. No. Um, the film itself was just kind of not that good. Right. And then the third one was not that good either. Um, so I, I still I'm, – I'm skeptical still. But the, the last one that came out was great. I loved it. Yeah, Jurassic World. Um, you said you had a couple. Uh, do you have another one that you would consider a favorite? Um, well, I, sticking on the era of Steven Spielberg, um, Indiana, always a fan of Indiana Jones. Right. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. That, so we only had, so growing up, we only had like maybe 10 VHSs. Right. And one of them was Raiders of the Lost Ark. The other one was Jurassic Park. Okay. And I watched those. And and yeah, we had like Free Willy, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) there was only a select few that I could watch, you know, and, and I watched Jurassic Park and Raiders of the Lost Ark Uh religiously. A double billing? <clears throat> like yeah, yeah. One f- go right from one to the other. Yep. Yeah. So um, let me think. Yeah, off the top of my head, those were the instant classics. Um, Jumanji was another one. Mm-hmm. With yeah, Robin you were Williams. just complaining about uh, the new Jumanji. Yeah, I, dang kids and their newfangled Jumanji. I, I feel like a bitter old old school Jumanji fan, and yeah. I just I saw the trailer to the new one, and yeah. I was just like, it looks just cheesy and corny, right. and <clears throat> and Dwayne Johnson's just. Eh. Can't do it. Um, but anyway, yeah. Jumanji, you don't like The Rock? I like The Rock. Okay. I just – I like, and I like him too. I just don't feel like – I just don't – I wasn't getting the – I don't know. I thought Robin Williams just crushed it the first time and okay. it's really hard to, right. to top that, you know? So it'll ruin your childhood? Yeah. I, I don't know if I can even see the new one. Um, I probably will. But anyway, Jumanji was another one that um, I remember um, I got it for Christmas on VHS when I was like eight or nine. And I think if, if – if you went back and rewatched old Jumanji, I think you would have a different opinion. Of really? It. <laughs> I think it's I, been years. Yeah. I haven't seen it in years, so maybe we'll have a movie. That's night. the thing. That's the thing is is looking going back to old movies with rose colored glasses. Um, but then there's the opposite where. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. So I have a question for you about oh, okay. Jumanji. Yeah. Um, maybe after you finish what you're about to talk about. What was I going to talk about? Uh, well, so so sometimes sometimes actually it's the opposite. Like I can go back. Well, one of one of the VHSs I watched all the time was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. Two: Secret of the Use. Oh, I, okay. I didn't have the first one on VHS. Same thing. I didn't have the first Batman movie, but I had Batman Returns. I didn't have the first Ninja Turtles movie. I had. Secret of the Use. So these were two movies where I had the the sequel but never saw the the original. Hmm. Um, but that's a 
Secret of the Use is a movie I still really enjoy. And I don't know whether it, that's because it's actually a good movie or because I have this fondness for it. But right. like, there's some really uh, good okay, jokes I in that. See, like, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Ninja pizza. Ah. Ninja pizza? Pizza that vanished quickly without trace. Ah. ah. Um, I had the, which one was the Batman with uh, Jack Nicholson? The first one. Yeah, I had that one. I think that came in 89. Yeah. Yeah, I had that one. And I, that was another one, actually, that I watched pretty religiously. I forgot right. about it. And I did go back and watch that not too long ago, maybe yeah. like two or three years ago. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that one has <laughs> Jack not. Jack Nicholson was great. He's okay. He, um, But that movie is one that has not aged probably no, as well. No. Um, and uh, it's not Batman. Like, right. It's it's not. It's something, but it's not Batman. Yeah. Um, wh- what were you going to ask? Oh, yeah. So, um Jumanji, uh-huh. um, since you are the expert here. Okay. Um, Wait, did, did... let me just clear. I am not an expert, okay? <laughs> I just happen to like movies and I know a bit about them. But okay, I'm but this might be expert, something Because then we're inviting uh, emails and, and <laughs> <laughs> like... Don't send us angry mail. Um, so... What kind of awards? Jumanji? Anything? Uh, any None. Maybe none? Nickelodeon okay. Kids Choice. I don't know. <laughs> Ouch. Stings the heart. Okay. Um, anyway, that's our spiel on, on movies. Okay. Why don't we uh, – so each week what we'd like to do is, is get you to, to dive in. Just to, to, to start a conversation about movies and getting into movies is to have you dive into the, the world of cinema news. Do you have a, a piece of research that you've done you want to – Yeah, yeah, do yeah. Do you present um, the class? Well, you know, the big hype has been Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, a little, it's a little independent film that just came out. Yeah, just a little tiny <laughs> – you know, little Wakandan little, uh, independent film. It just came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, nobody saw it coming. Right. Anyway, yeah. So when I when I went to do a little cinema research news mm-hmm. news research, mm-hmm. um, of course, Black Panther was like, you know, taking the spotlight. Right. But anyway, I did find a little piece of interesting news regarding okay. Black Panther. Got it. And that is that um, Kendrick Lamar, yep, who curated the soundtrack, yep. Um, is interested in taking a role in Black Panther 2. Right. Um, problem, he wants to play a character who will no longer be there. <laughs> or or who um how do I how do I say it without spoiling it? You know what? I'll just spoil it. Um who dies in the first one. What? Um he wants to play a killmonger. But they're going to have to come up with something creative here. Um, so anyway, it's just some, some news that's so been you, going on. You actually have a printout here. Do you, can you read what it says? Because I don't. Yeah, it just says um, he wants to <clears throat> play a character who seems because to have says... bit the dust <laughs> yeah. at the end of Black Panther. <laughs> I find that hard to believe that. That's... Yeah. So he wants to play a role that Michael B. Jordan's already perfected exactly. and then the character has died already? That's what this says. <laughs> this sounds exactly like a Carl Pilkington news bit on the Ricky Gervais show. Where... And you know, like, how I always say to you, I don't really read that much of it. I just read, read the headline. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. What is so interesting about Kendrick Lamar is that uh, he was just supposed to do one song for the movie. 
And then Ryan Coogler showed him the completed film. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, I got to make a whole album for this. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, we're going to go see Black Panther soon. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll have a film report for that. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Maybe this will make a little more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, there's actually three films that I, I'd like to talk about uh, just quickly. Uh, first one was Coco, uh, the Pixar film from last year. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. It, it was very good, uh, probably the most colorful Pixar film to date. Hmm. Uh, really beautiful visuals, uh, one of the more out there ones. It was almost a great film because there's there's something I really like with movies and that and they're very rare is when there's no bad guy. Hmm. There's no antagonist to the film where the movie is just a character setting out to do something and the For their own for their own thing. There's there's three movies that I can think of that do this really well and um, it's really rare. The first is The World's Fastest Indian with yep. Anthony Hopkins. New Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand, New Zealand film, film about uh, a Kiwi from Didi... Invercargill. No, Invercargill, uh, who sets out to um, break the land speed record in an the old... Salt like Yeah, the Salt Flats in, um, in Utah. Utah. Yeah. yeah. And he... Uh, he has an old Indian motorcycle from like the 30s or something like that. And he souped it up himself. And it's just him trying to make his way to Utah and just meeting people along the way. One of my favorite films, actually. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a great film. Uh, Really great. Yeah, Um, it is a great film. The other one, another one is Defending Your Life, which is an 80s film, 80s comedies, comedy with... Albert Brooks. So it's it's a it's a movie where he plays like a businessman who very first like five minutes of the film <clears throat> dies in a car accident, hmm. and he ends up in uh, I think it's limbo or heaven, but it's like it's uh, it's it's like uh, a bureaucracy. It's just a complete bureaucracy, and and the way you decide they decide whether you go to heaven or hell is you um, they take clips for it throughout your life, and you have to defend your life. Um, <clears throat> That sounds like there's an antagonist in it, but it isn't. Hmm. Uh, it's it's actually it's a very funny film, uh, really great. Uh, I'd really recommend it. And then the third is Chef with John Favreau. Um, that's a, a movie where he plays a high-profile chef who quits his job and uh, sets out across America with his son and his friend running a food truck, hmm. and they're just traveling across. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about it and yeah. seeing a trailer so, for it. And that's, I that's another. I never it, saw it. You feel like there's going to be a bad guy in it because Robert Downey Jr. plays like his ex-wife's new husband and all this stuff. And it's actually they're all super supportive, and it's just about him accomplishing this thing and bonding with his son. Uh, and it's actually a great film. So th- mm. those are three films that I think do that no antagonist thing really well. Um, Coco, it almost gets through the whole thing. Uh, without an antagonist, and then right, kind of right near the very end, it tacks on a bad guy, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, um, and you know, I I really recommend it. I was just saying earlier that it did make me tear up at the end. It's uh, it is really good, so I'd recommend seeing it. The second film, uh, the second film that I'll I'll just give a quick review of is something I saw a few weeks ago, and it actually the reason why I'll talk about it now is because it actually reminds me in a lot of ways of Goodfellas, hmm. and that's <clears throat> I Tanya. The uh, Margot Robbie, um, Sebastian Stan movie about the Nancy Kerrigan, uh, Tanya Harding 
so you're not familiar with this because this was no. like probably slightly before your time. Like even <laughs> I was too young for it at the time. Um, I remember it being basically all over the news for months. Hmm. Um, so Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan were figure skaters, both competing to be on uh, the American Olympic team. And uh, through the course, uh, so basically eventually what happens is uh, through a series of missteps, uh, Nancy Kerrigan's knee gets bashed in with a crowbar to take her out of the running and get oh. Na- to get Tanya Harding in her place some, instead. Some um, so, dirty play. Yeah, so the movie is, it reminds me of Goodfellas due to the editing. It's really fast uh, editing with, uh, with contemporary songs in the background. Um, the, none of the characters are likable, but you all like, you, you like watching all of them. Mm-hmm. Again, like Goodfellas. And... Um, they're, they break the fourth wall. There's voiceover that tells the story, and it breaks the fourth wall at times, and it's very much like a Scorsese film. So um, I enjoyed it pretty well. I, I think it's it's really my kind of thing. Like those those things about it, you know, the, the fast editing, the uh, good use of a soundtrack, the breaking the fourth wall, like that's my jam. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Um, so I, I like that movie a lot. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't have much to say about that. Uh, the one that I will talk about at length is Black Panther, yeah. which I, uh, Dylan and I, hey Dylan, uh, Dylan and I saw on the weekend. And so we saw it opening weekend. I've never seen one of the theaters here in Boise uh, be packed. But oh, really? this was like, it was like huh. there people were, you know, couldn't find seats. It was really busy. Um, the it Black Panther broke all kinds of box office right. records this weekend. Uh, great to see. Um, I liked the movie, so I'll start with the the pros. Uh, I, this I won't have any spoilers in it, but so to start with the pros, the things I liked about the movie are that um, the cast is amazing. The cast is fantastic. Like everyone in this film is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's unlike. It's not just a good Marvel movie. It's a good movie because it's not just a comic book movie. Hmm. You could take all of the Black Panther stuff out of it and it would still be a good movie. Um, It deals with a lot of contemporary issues in terms of the inequality of race, the inequality of genders, uh, and it deals with it really well. And the bad guy of the film, which is Eric Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, who is great. Um, he's probably one of the best uh, top three villains that Marvel's had, that being Loki and the Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming, yeah. because you, he has a, re- he's not just a bad dude, like, you know, like the, the villain of Ant-Man was just a guy who went crazy because he inhaled too many pin particles or whatever. Um, <laughs> But, but Eric Killmonger actually has a motivation. His character is driven to do a thing. And and I've seen reviews say that they're, you root for him by the end. Mm-hmm. You don't root for him because he's still a bad person, but you see exactly why he's doing why he's doing. It's very much um, – it's you see why he's doing the things that he's doing. And, and like I said before, the uh, the cast is great and, and – the, the cast is stacked with amazing women. Uh, women have just as many, if not more, uh, speaking roles than as, as men do in the film, which is amazing. Uh, and they're all great. And 
all of the characters are great as well. Um, it's uh, so like reading reviews, you see people saying, "Oh, my character was so and so. My character, my favorite character was so and so." Usually, there's only one great side character in a movie. But the thing is, is that no one can agree on what the best side character was in Black Panther. Mm. My favorite uh, were, were two of them: was uh, Okoye, who is one of the generals of Wakanda, and U- Umbaku. Uh, Mbaku, yeah, uh, who is one of the leaders of the other Wakandan tribes. But other people love the character of Shuri. Some love uh, Killmonger. Some love uh, Claw, who's played by um, uh, uh, who's played by uh, Gollum, uh, Andy Serkis. Okay. So this, is, so this is Bilbo and uh, Gollum are both in this movie. Uh, um, Martin Freeman is uh, is Everett Ross in this, and he's huh. great as well. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's great from all of these things. The the costumes are amazing in this film. Like it's so bright and it's so amazing. Um, it does a really good job of world building. Like you feel like Wakanda is a real place, uh, and it blends this Afro futurism of you know uh, African culture with a futuristic style really well. Um, the action wasn't great. So that's one of the my detractions of the movie is that I cannot tell you – I could tell you what some of the action scenes were, but I cannot tell you a standout one. I found the action to be not uh, really shot well. Um, like uh, none of the action really stood out. Like you think of Civil War and you, you think of the airport scene and the action was really easy to follow with that, really – uh, really uh, well edited, really well shot. Um, the the fight scenes in Black Panther are not that. They're hard to follow. There's a lot of CGI, and the CGI is kind of ropey in parts. Like um, there's a couple times where it took me out of the the movie. Um, we also had a, a. This isn't the movie's fault, but the theater had an issue, I believe, with the audio mixing. Mm-hmm. So um, first half of the movie, uh, things that were supposed to be loud were quiet and things that were supposed to be quiet were loud, I found. Like there there were times on scene where you see – on screen where you see a person like yell and it just – no audio would come out at all. Um, So actually – so – I, I went out at one point and... You should go get a job there and show them how to do uh, it, right? No, so I went out and I, I told the, the usher who's standing there, I, I told him about it. And it was funny, it's about halfway through the film, um, the, the projectionist obviously was doing something and he cut the audio. So the audio went out... Completely. For, for about five seconds and everyone was like... <laughs> like everyone everyone like just starts running for the because exit. I get you know everyone was really into it, um, and 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 then it, I I turned I turned to Dylan and I said that's because of me, <laughs> um, yeah and I think I fixed it because this I didn't notice it in the second half of the film but but that was something that kind of detracted from my enjoyment because because I was thinking about that the whole time. Corey the whiner, I know, getting but things done, you know, yeah, getting things. I mean, done. if you're exactly. paying for it, you yeah, know, you want yeah, it. okay, well, right, Movie right. Pass paid for it, okay, but. well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I would say still go see it in theaters I think it's worth seeing it in theaters I'm going to go again um, I want to go see it okay we let's do that and uh, and support the film I think send everyone uh, a message that movies starring uh, African Americans well they're not all Americans but starring uh, uh, black people uh, written by black people um, with uh, African Americans behind the camera I think uh, I think we should send a message and support that um, word. Yeah. I agree. 
Should we move on to our uh, to the movie to the Goodfellas? Yeah, let's get into our feature film, the 1990 film Goodfellas by Martin Scorsese. To me, being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Even before I first wandered into the cab stand for an after-school job, I knew I wanted to be a part of them. It was there that I knew that I belonged. And to me, it meant being somebody in a neighborhood that was full of nobodies. They weren't like anybody else. I mean, they did whatever they wanted. They double-parked in front of a hydrant, and nobody ever gave them a ticket. In the summer, when they played cards all night, nobody ever called the cops. Must I forever be a beggar? All right, Nick. So, uh, how much do you know about? How much did you know about Goodfellas before we? Literally, just the title. Just the, I've heard the of the movie. Yeah, that's it. Had no idea what it was about. Nothing. Nothing. So, Goodfellas is an adaptation of a nonfiction book written by uh, Nicholas Pileggi, uh, which and the book documents the true story of Henry Hill, who was a career criminal who right. was turned into an FBI informant between the years of 1955 and 1980. Uh, when Scorsese was shooting The Color of Money, he came across a review of the book and immediately reached out to Pileggi to uh, collaborate and write the, the film Goodfellas. So they wrote they wrote the screenplay together. Uh, the, the film has a, a great cast of Ray Liotta as Henry Hill, Joe Pesci as the contemporary of Henry Hill, uh, Tommy DeVito. Funny how. Robert De Niro plays Jimmy Conway, Lorraine Bracco plays uh, Karen Hill, and Paul Servino as uh, Paul Paul Cicero. Cicero, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of that guy actors, like actors where you see them, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. Yeah, and that's so, what I thought about uh, Ray Liotta. Right. I was like, where have I seen him from? Yeah. What else does he play in? I didn't look into it. He's been in a, a lot of stuff. Um, the one that comes to mind is a movie, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you haven't seen it. It's called Narc. Uh, it's, it's a great, it was a yeah. tiny little film shot for no money. Um, and then on the... Uh, studio, or the um, the film festival circuit. I think it was Tom Cruise saw it and got it and and bought the rights and got it distributed. Huh. Um, yeah, it's a really great film. <sighs> I'm trying to think, he's definitely known for Goodfellas, but I can't really think of anything else that would like really stand out for him. Yeah, a lot of other that guy actors. Like, yeah, like uh, Robert it, De Niro. What? No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy. And what did, what oh, the guy, the guy from the Fokker films. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but some some other uh, actors that have shown up uh, on The Sopranos. Well, Lorraine Bracco was on The Sopranos. Was Paul Servino on The Sopranos? He should be. I don't know if he was or not. Um, but he just uh, has that Sopranos. Okay. Well, book. so a little bit of trivia for you is that he almost dropped out of the film. He uh, he tried to drop out of the film because he Good didn't. Fellas? Yeah, because he couldn't. He didn't think that he could bring that coldness to the role. That 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 character needed um but uh he did he did he did a really great job he's really intimidating in the film um martin scorsese said that the the star of this movie is a way of life and so that's really what he wanted to document is is the life of not a mob boss because everyone has seen what a mob boss all those movies show what being a mob boss is like he wanted to show um, what all of it encompasses? Well, so. what the, the the life of a foot sh- soldier is. Ah, I was interested in the minutia of how to live as a wise guy. I wanted to get into the, the frame of mind of a guy who works that way every day. Okay. And uh, and also because 
the book, he said, was the the most honest portrayal of the mob that he's ever written, uh, read um, because he grew up around the mob. Hmm. Um, like he said, these the characters in the book and then then in the movie were very much like characters he grew up around. Crazy. Um, so so he wanted the the start of the movie to be the way of life of a um, of a mobster. Uh, and in a lot of ways, the, mount, uh, the movie is a, a counter to the romantic Im- image of the mob life. Um, it, it shows what the pull of that life is, like the yeah. money and things like that, mm-hmm. but also then flips it on its head and shows the dangers of it as well, uh, which it does really well, I think. Yeah. And it uses uh, voiceover. So both uh, Henry and Karen, uh, Ray Liotta and Lorraine Bracco, give voiceover in the throughout the film. And that's because it's... It, Martin Scorsese wanted them to do that to build a relationship with the audience. They're speaking to the audience. So um, these aren't really nice people doing nice things. But with them speaking to you, you are forming a relationship with them. And then you're able to get yourself into the film a little bit better. Uh, The film had immediate critical uh, success and has since been named uh, one of the best crime films of all time. Uh, It was not really successful with audiences. So it was kind of a hard watch for audiences because... I don't know if you noticed this, but there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of swear words in it. Not a family friendly no. film. So at the time of release, it had the most swear words of any film huh. ever, and mo- I think half of them are said by Joe Pesci's character. Yeah, And yeah, so uh, <laughs> it was nominated for six Oscars, of which it won one. So I'm going to list these here, and I'm going to see if you can pull out which one it won for. Um, Joe Pesci for best supporting actor. Lorraine Bracco for Best uh, Supporting Actress, Martin Scorsese for Best Director, Best Editing, Best Picture, and Best Asta- uh, Adapted Screenplay. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with the first one. Joe Pesci? Joe uh, Pesci. Yeah. Yes, that's absolutely That just correct. sounds right to me. Yeah, so he, he won that one. Um, yeah, Martin Scorsese lost out to Kevin Costner for uh, Dances with Wolves that year. Huh. I, and De Niro, who I think deserved an, a nomination for this movie, he was actually nominated the same year for a different movie called Awakenings. Uh, it's it's a good it's a good film. He plays a, a person who went into a coma as a child and then woke up as an adult. Uh, true story. Uh, he's really good at it. Um, he also lost in that as well. I forget who won that year. Maybe Kevin Costner. Doesn't matter. Um, I'll just put myself in here saying who won that year. It was Jeremy Irons for Reversal of Fortune. I've never heard of it either. Uh, (laughs) um, And the movie is considered to have two of the best lines in movie history. Uh, Can you guess what those are? There were so many, I thought. Um, Was one by Robert De Niro? No. Mm, okay. Then I was thinking of a specific scene, but no. So, was, so the first one is one of the first lines in the film, actually, is, uh, is Ray Liotta saying, As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. And then the second one is Joe Pesci's line of, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. intense. 
So that's the background of the film. Uh, what did you? So what I what I want you to do is is we didn't do this last time, but um, one reason is, is I'm sick when I'm editing. I'm sick of hearing my own voice, <laughs> and I talked a lot that first episode. Um, so what I want you to do is actually just go through the plot, and then yeah. what we can do is just interject as we go through. Yeah, it yeah. We, yeah. Feel free to add. because yeah. um, I'll probably miss some some little gaps. I'm sure. Um, but I'd like to start off by talking about what I liked about the film. Sure, yeah, just in go general. For it. Yep. I thought it. I thought the acting was spectacular. Yeah. Um, I thought the action scenes were intense and not over the top. Action scenes. Yeah. Wait, so what would you consider an action scene? Just people getting shot. Okay. Yeah. You know, like it's the mob. Yeah. Like, but and I guess just to say, if anyone hasn't seen this, that there, I I wouldn't. There's no like shootouts or anything like that. It's just people getting... Well, and that leads into the next one is the surprising scenes, the twists where you're like, oh, yeah, that guy just got shot. Yeah. Um, and I of, also... Of which there's a few. Yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. And the food was... I loved it. It made me hungry. In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He used a razor, and he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. It's a very good system. Um, which is one which I'll I'll talk about at the end um, after we go through the plot. But um, it, my favorite scene involves um, the food. <laughs> so uh, the plot kind of. It starts back in the mid-50s um, with Henry, who's the main character. Yep. Um, he's like a little kid, and his dad is somewhat abusive and kind of a crazy guy. And But across the street, um, he notices um, there's like a mob. I don't know what you call it, like a headquarters. Hangout? Hangout. Yes. And Polly, who's like the main mob guy, he's he runs the show. And so it starts out with the famous line, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, anyway, as a kid, he, he so he he goes over there and he starts kind of hanging around with them, and and they start having him do start doing minor tasks and things for him, like knocking out windows and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, flash forward about ten, twelve years. Um, Henry is still in the mob. He's still working for Polly, um, and he's he's he like loves it. I, I think it's just like the I don't know if it's the adrenaline or just the lifestyle, but he's mm-hmm. making money. And he just it just getting a job like a regular job is just not on yeah. his uh, agenda. Right. And so anyway, they they complete this huge crime and they get away with it. Um, and it also and it became known as the Air France robbery. Right. So where they stole like half a million dollars or something at JFK Airport. Yeah. Um, and they got away with it. Yeah. Um, and so that's when he's like, you know, like. He's into it, yeah. and he's loving life, and he's just rolling in money. Yeah, and you you mentioned that. So this is this is quite a jump forward. So like we've we've skipped him being a kid, uh, and he's now an adult. And, th- and the thing I found funny is is this is one line that took me out of the movie, uh, where Lorraine says something about him. Um, <clears throat> you know, she was she didn't know what he did for a living, but he. Uh, he he seemed to have a lot of connections for a twenty one year old, and it was just like record scratch, like twenty one years old. Because yeah, at yeah. the time, so so that. the thing is, is that uh, Pesci, Joe Pesci, was in his forties, and 
and um, Ray Liotta was 37 when he shot the film, so they were oh. playing, tw- playing 21-year-olds. Uh, so, <laughs> so I mean, this this movie covers a lot of time, like like we said, 55 to 80. So they do have to play a range of ages, but I thought that was funny at that scene where he was supposed to be 21. And- yeah, and it's kind of funny how they meet, too, because um, so, so um, throughout his experience in the mob, Henry makes good friends with um, two other associates, yeah. um, Jimmy and Tommy. Yeah. Jimmy's Robert De Niro, Tommy is Joe Pesci. Yeah. And um, so they kind of become buddies. And then so <laughs> Tommy uh, talks Henry into going out to this restaurant. He's like, oh, I've got to – he's like, I want to go out with this girl, but she won't go out with me unless it's a double date. So I found this other chick for you to come out with. You should meet her. Yeah. And then the entire time uh, Henry's just ignoring her right. and just being rude and obnoxious. Yeah. But she likes it. And that's the thing is she she, she likes it. And she she's really attracted to his – Lifestyle. She doesn't really know what he does, mm-hmm. but she she loves that. Um, so anyway, they they eventually fall in love. Right. Whatever. Well, so and this leads to their first real date um, after she confronts him for for standing her up. You got some nerve standing me up. On their All second right. date, uh, their their first real date where they they're into each other is the famous scene in the Copacabana. Um, did you notice this, the, the, the shot of this, uh, where the, the camera starts out, uh, the car pulls up, uh, Ray Liotta gives his keys to the valet and it follows them into the restaurant. And so they go down through uh, the bottom, through, okay. the, uh, another entrance, not the main entrance, but they go th- through hallways. He's talking to people. They go through a busy kitchen. Right. They go, and they, oh, it's right, all right. one shot. This and is one of the most famous shots oh, in movie history. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea is that it had to be done in one take, so you don't feel that it was a series of cuts or that there was a separation between him and the world that he was trying to get into. The camera flowed through and, and just glided through this world. Just all, all the doors opened to him and everything just slipped away. It was like heaven. And then to emerge like a king and queen, this was the highest he could aspire to. Um, uh, they had to shoot it eight times, uh, mainly because one of the people in the the shot forget kept forgetting his lines. But uh, it's an amazing shot, really technical. Uh, where again, yeah, it starts outside and then follows them down. They go through the the interior of this restaurant, through a busy kitchen where people are moving around the camera, out up through into the the main area of the restaurant. A table is brought in front of the camera because uh, there's there's no there's no seats in the restaurant as it is. They bring out a table for the couple. Um, the table gets set up with a lamp and uh, a tablecloth, and it's like right out the, right in the front. right at the front, yeah. and, um, and everybody and, knows who Henry is. And, and and you're seeing it from Karen's perspective, where right. where he's just passing twenties to everyone he's seeing. Right, he's just giving cash. to So people. that's another thing. Um, <laughs> just as a side note, um, that I loved about this movie is it just seems like like mob. Um, like a general rule that whenever somebody does something for you or you just see somebody you like, you just put a 20 in their pocket. If you have that much money, I guess it's just, you know. Well, it's just what they do. And they do it throughout the entire film that you just become insensitized yeah. to it. Yeah, and, and, and you see, and, and that's so something frequently. that Karen says. She she says, we gave them $20 each. He's like, yeah, and what you, of it? you're seeing from her perspective of what is he, what is Henry's deal? Like, what does he do? And he won't, He and then he says something like, He's like, oh, yeah, I work in the, what does he say? 
don't know. Put clip here. Yeah, put clip here. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm in construction. He said he tells her. He he says, "Oh, don't worry about it. I'm just a." Uh, and he says yeah. some random job. Construction. <laughs> and and, the, and then the, the shot ends with a, a stand-up comedian coming up on stage and the camera comes up and comes up around huh. the comedian as he's giving his jokes. Um, it's an amazing scene. Yeah, uh, I didn't think about it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. it's it's great. And uh, this, it's reminiscent of a movie that came later, which is on our list for you, um, called Boogie Nights, which, uh, same thing, Paul Thomas Anderson does a one-shot, uh, starts up on a crane, from outside of a nightclub, uh, the, the the shot comes in, the camera comes in, and then at one point they lift the camera off of the uh, the crane and then it, it's brought handheld into a club. Same kind of thing down through um, walkways. It's amazing. So mm-hmm. that's on our list to watch at some point. Boogie Nights. Deal. Yeah. So flash forward a little bit. Um, their hangout, what's it called? The Cabana? Co- uh, Copacabana. Copacabana. Yeah. That's um, kind of their their hangout. Um, one night, they run into the guy named Billy Bats. Mm. Um, he belongs that's, to... That's not at the Copacabana. Oh, I thought it I was. Don't, I, don't, I don't believe it is. I, I believe it's another place that Henry actually owns. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. That could be because... There was oh it was because he was putting up the lights and, yep. yeah 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 okay yeah right you're right and, and we should we should back up again uh, because uh, uh, one of the other famous scenes in this movie in the same scene I believe as that one oneer uh, or is it it's it's a different scene but uh, one of one of the more famous scenes in um, does this become come earlier or later uh, the so you think I'm funny scene oh. I think that's, that's gets I, earlier. I, I, I think, think it's in the same kind of segment as the the one shot. But but yeah, we should talk about the the, the other famous scene from from the Copacabana, which is uh, Joe Pesci's "So You Think I'm Funny." He's so good too. So, I, I was like, I felt like I was sitting there, yeah. in this scene, and I, I could feel my adrenaline like yeah. starting to peak up. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, so. And apparently this had actually happened to Joe Pesci when he was younger. He was serving uh, an actual mobster and he did the same thing to him. And he told Martin Scorsese about it and they were like, we have to put that in the film. So, um, yeah, so it's an amazing scene uh, and it's shot from uh, – shot from. Uh, there's no close-ups in, in, the, in the shot. It's all done from back far. Uh, and so that's so you can see all of the faces of all the other people sitting at the table start to change yeah. as as the mood starts to change and you realize he's not joking and yeah, things are the tension really starting intense. to get ratcheted up. Um, yeah, it's crazy scene. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. He deserves the Oscar just just Oscar just for that uh, that scene alone. I agree. I, w- I was I was <laughs> feeling that um, that was really intense. But I, I feel like because of that scene, it kind of he kind of passes or Henry kind of passes Tommy's test. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it brings them together a little bit. It's like a, you know, you're messing with me, mm. and he, so Henry kind of calls his bluff. Mm. And whether it was a bluff or not is mm. kind of irrelevant because mm. it goes, oh, Tommy's like, oh, I, I like this guy. You mm. know, I like this guy. Right. Um, and well, they so, had grown up together, so it, it said showed shots of them as they were kids. So they right. they had raised, gone through the ranks together. Um, and that's why they're so close as well. So right, yeah. So again, that's funny that they were supposed to be twenty-one years old or whatever, yeah. and they're both forties. Yeah. But Tommy, he's he's a hothead. He's a guy. He's very impulsive. Uh, he does things, thinks about them later, right. like type of guy. Like, yeah. and he's he's loud and obnoxious. Yeah. is really the word. Um, sure. And he is not afraid to just kill you, mm-hmm. um, which is what <laughs> happens in this scene. Um, 
So they're, I think they're in Henry's um, yeah. bar or whatever it is. And um, there's a guy who comes in named Billy Bats. Yeah. And he makes fun of Tommy for being, what was it, a shoe shiner or something? Yeah. So wait, Billy, Billy Bats is there because he just got out of prison and he's having his welcome home party there. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. But and Billy Bats belongs to a very renowned he, family. And he's a made man. Yeah, yeah. Which they explain man. in the film is if you're a made man, you cannot be hit. You cannot be whacked. Right. Uh, you have to, if you want to, if you want to hit a, a made man, you have to get permission and it's a whole big deal. Um, and so, so he's making, so Billy is making fun of Tommy because yeah. he used to be a shoe, because Tommy used to be a shoe shiner. Yeah. And Tommy being the hothead he is just kills him. Uh, yeah. Well, him and Jimmy, who's yeah. Robert De Niro, they, yeah. they end up killing Billy. Yeah. And they try to cover it up because they know if Paul finds out, Paulie, the right. Or big it, what, guy, if anyone finds out. Yeah, then they're in trouble. They're going to yeah. be killed, yeah. essentially. And so they throw him in the back of the trunk. Yeah. And then, it, and then that, that also ties to the beginning of the film. The first scene of the movie is yeah. they're driving the, Billy, who's in the trunk, come back and let me out. down to bury him. And it's kind of intense. You know, they – anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, so they stop and they make sure he's dead to put it mildly. Yeah. And so then they, they bury him. Well, come to find out like six months down the road, um, I think it's Jimmy gets word that there's going to be, they're doing some construction development there. Yeah. So the plot of land they buried him on has been sold. Exactly. And so they have to go (laughs) move the body. And this time they take Hank. Propane and propane accessories. Or Henry. Hank. Um, And Henry is like puking and throwing up because the body's all decomposed and stinks. And then Jimmy and um, Tommy are like making fun of him. Yeah. Anyway. And by the way, this is another thing along the lines of you were talking about with Black Panther is that there's no like these are the bad guys. Mm. Like the the main characters are like the bad guys. Right. And that's another thing that I feel like made this film unique. Right. Was that the whole time you're like, these guys are bad. Right. Like bad. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway. Um, so Henry on the side also has a mistress mm-hmm. um, named Janice. Mm-hmm. Which, which apparently is fairly common. They they say that like well, a lot of these guys have. Yeah. Yeah. But Karen finds out and she gets upset and she goes to basically Janice's apartment. Yeah. And starts causing havoc, and she's got the kids with her too, which yeah. was kind of a hard scene to watch. But um, and, and so this and this is the thing is is one thing I um, rewatching this film like so you know I saw this film probably where most guys see it is in high school like oh yeah Goodfellas so cool it's such a cool <laughs> movie um, where and watching it again as a, as an an old withered man <laughs> um, I uh, I didn't enjoy it as much because it deals with two things that I don't find enjoyable in movies, and that's drug addiction and spousal abuse. Mm-hmm. And both of those things make me feel really icky and make it makes it really hard for me to enjoy a film. And um, there's a whole series of different scenes where Henry is, you know, beating Karen and uh they're having arguments and it just oh it just mm-hmm. builds up a little tension not inside it's me. It's pretty I, hard to watch. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to watch. Get out of my life! I can't stand you! 
it's that said, it's really well done in the film, um, and it takes you on this journey with the characters. But uh, yeah, again, cool as a high schooler, not cool as a, a wizened. Uh, <laughs> Old withered man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She tries to confront Janice, but mm-hmm. Janice hides in her apartment. And then anyway, she was, next time she sees Henry, she like literally holds him at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, and then so Henry and, ultimately moves out yeah. and goes to and stay I, with Janice. I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, I didn't notice it at first. I read it better later. But uh, Henry takes the gun away from Karen and gets her on the floor pointing it at her face. Um, that and, scene was hard to watch. Too. Yeah. It was hard to watch. And then as he gets up, he steps on Lorraine's hand. Like, and, and you can see her go, ow. <laughs> like, and, it's, and you can no. see like her hand clench up afterwards. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's tough to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Henry ends up moving in with Janice. Uh-huh. But Polly, he doesn't agree with that. Right. Um, he, he thinks that he needs to go, Henry needs to go back to Karen. It's not because he doesn't agree with it. It's because Karen's going nuts and, and going and, – Going and, to all of them and and yeah and and it it kind of touches base on this weird like ethics that they have like it's like they try to be good people but they're not at all mm-hmm. it's and it's like there's this whole ethics within the mob that's so strange like and I'll, I'll get to I'll get to another one later that I I think was hilarious right. and I I loved it yeah um, but hot, anyway hot take mobsters aren't good people yeah <laughs> forget anything you heard it here first uh, um, so anyway. Polly sends Henry and Jimmy to Florida to collect debt from a gambler. Yeah. Um, for one, to kind of he thinks that going, getting away will yep. kind of clear Henry's Just, mind, yeah, reset, and, and kind of reset, and gives him a few days to 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 get out of town. Yeah. Well, anyway, and, and then when he gets back, he'll move back in with Karen. And, yeah. Yeah, things will be better. So, but problem, uh, <laughs> the gamblers who they're collecting debt from, sister works for the FBI, right, and she. Turns them in. Yep. And they get busted. Right. Uh, Jimmy and Henry. Yep. And they get sentenced to 10-year. I think it was. To 10 years? I think I thought it was 10 years. They ten get 10-year? No, not 10-year. <laughs> 10 years. Um, huge difference. I need to get busted then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, and this all happens really fast. Yeah. This happens like super fast. Like next thing you know, like Henry is in prison. Right. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. This happens super fast. So anyway, he starts getting, uh, I don't know if you'd call it clever, but he starts coming up with ways that he can support his family on the outside. So he starts um, having Karen smuggle in cocaine. Is that what it, was that what it was? Yeah. Um, You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I know so much. Um, so, but he, he's, I think he's, it was marijuana. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Um, so he starts trading cocaine and selling it. Um, mm. But he's doing it behind Polly's back because right. he doesn't want Polly to find out. And, and why is that? Um, because I, from what I understood, it was because Polly would want some of the money. No, it's because uh, that's one that's one thing. So the, the reason why they're able to operate so well is is that um, they're able to pay off the cops and um, and and give the cops a cut of it uh, with the stuff that they do, the small time stuff that they do. But but drugs is a whole other thing, and they will hmm. not get off from it. Uh, See, I didn't under like that. I don't feel like like that. Like I said, like I said, like the scene it went way really fast, mm-hmm. and I had a hard time understanding what was going on. Right. Like it was like okay. Yeah. Uh, it, obviously, he's smuggling in cocaine and he's making money 
I don't, and he's hiding it from Polly. Yeah. So, and, and so there's a scene where Polly pulls Ray Liotta aside after he gets out of jail and says, stop doing it. At the house, right? Yeah. And he says, no more than everybody. Everybody. Could be my son, could be anybody. Grib's got 20 years just for saying hello to some who was sneaking behind his back selling junk. So if you're linked in any way to these people, then then you're going to get caught. He tries to go, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't yeah, know what yeah. you're talking about. And Polly's like, And he, he slaps him too, yeah, right? And that's him. a real slap. So so he didn't tell Ray Lewis that he was going to do that. He slaps him and, and so the reaction is quite real. It flashes forward four years. He gets out of prison. Um, but he team, once again, he teams up with um, Tommy mm-hmm. and Jimmy. Yep. And they want to they wanna do another, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like, a score. S- a score from yep. the airport. Right. And so, but they want to do a big one this right. time. Yep. And so, and it, and so, ultimately, it ends up having. Hey, can you explain these scores? Like, so just like it's the airport, but do you know? Do you know what they're actually getting? Well, you mean cash? Yeah. Yeah, they're stealing cash. But how? I, how? I, I can't. I. So what? What it is is it's money changers. So tourists that change money out of country. That cash gets brought back to the airport, uh, and they are taking that cash that's untraceable. Like literally in the bags, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. all I saw, and I was like, "How are they getting that?" I didn't yeah. So yeah, so for... it's it's a it's a money changer, uh, tourist money changer overseas, and the money gets brought back to the airport, and uh, and since it's not a bank or anything, that money is untraceable, and they can mm. just take it. And they're in with the airport workers. That's the whole like uh, part of the whole heist is right. that they're they're in with people that work at the airport. Like Frenchie is one of the characters, um, and they're able to get that money uh, without any trouble. Yeah, so, but this heist requires, like, a lot of people. It requires, like, a getaway car. It's it's known as the Lufthansa Lufthansa heist. Uh, That's the airline. Is that a real thing, too? Did that really happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's that was, and they say it in the movie, it it was the biggest uh, robbery in American history at the time. And the the last series of people that went to jail for it, they were just caught uh, in 2014. Really? Yeah. So people are still going behind bars for it. Huh. Yeah. Because a, a, they did not get caught for the longest time, huh? Because it was so it was so successful. So, what happens is, um, so they they do it and they get away with it. They get away with it. Well, 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 they do. Well, but uh, <laughs> plot thickens. Um, they, they get away with it. Asterisks. Yeah, <laughs> but. And they're all celebrating and they're having a good time. And and they're, are they celebrating at the Copacabana? Is that? I think I think that's that, a, I think that's again Henry's what, bar. You know, a scene I'm getting to. Yeah. Where um, Jimmy, yeah. So anyway, so they're all celebrating. They're having a good time. They're drinking. They're playing cards. They're just having a great time. Well, anyway, so, so, so some of the people that were involved in this heist start showing up to this party. And one of them's it's driving. It's a Christmas party. It's a Christmas party. Yeah. That's right. Um, one of them shows up with like a nice, was it pink? Like a nice bright pink. New car. New car. I don't know yeah. if it was a Cadillac or what. And uh just see the look on Jimmy's face because in his mind, that's going to attract people. Yeah, yeah going, a whole bunch of money met, went missing and then all of a sudden these people start All of a sudden these people start having all these nice cars and so he gets pissed off. Because they're already under suspicion probably from the cops, right? Because they're mobsters. They're known mobsters. So the they're cops are probably nice. already on the radar. Yeah, so they start showing up in all these nice cars and all these nice clothes and Jimmy ends up going 
what are you doing? Yeah. You know, he, and it's a really intense scene. That's yeah. another scene where I was like, whoa, because like literally he's having such a great time and he's just like laughing and taking shots and just hugging people. And then as soon as he sees the car, he just instantly yeah. is like, are you stupid or what? Did you hear what I said? Don't buy anything. Don't get anything. Nothing big. Did you hear what I said? I'm What's sorry. the matter with you? So anyway, um, and I'm not sure how this happened. You probably can explain it, but this whole scene where, and this is a good scene as well, where there's like these kids playing under, like I think they're like under an overpass or something, mm-hmm. and this kid walks up to the car mm-hmm. and there's two dead bodies, right. which were, um, were they the getaway people or? No, so that's that's the guy who bought the car and showed up and got yelled at by, right. by Jimmy. So but that's, who were they in the heist, I guess, is what I'm asking. I don't know. It, they it's, were ne- it's never okay. really explained what everyone's role was, okay. uh, except for a few people. Um, but yeah, so, so this, this is an amazing scene. Um, one of, probably my favorite in the film where um, Jimmy in his paranoia starts offing people. And, right. and it's all of these reveals of um, these bodies being found. And so that's one of them. Uh, so the the scene uh, has the the song Layla playing underneath it. It's creepy. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, and the they chose the thing with Scorsese is he has all of these songs in mind. All of his movies uh, contain these really good uses of songs, uh, rock music, and uh, he had all these songs planned out at during the script writing phase, like like really early in the process. And so this scene was written with Layla in mind. And each of these reveals is written for a specific bar of that song. Oh. And um, I think the best one is, is it's a crane shot that starts from up high. Um, you see, it's, a, it's a big tractor trailer. Uh, you see the, the police uh, open the door of the tractor trailer. The camera comes inside from up high. And it's like it's, a meat truck, it's right? It's a meat truck, yeah. It's frozen. like a frozen, yeah, and it's you, like a refrigerated, yeah. yeah. And you see one of the, the guys hanging there on the meat hooks. Creepy. It's very creepy, very well done. When they found Carbone in the meat truck, he was frozen so stiff it took them two days to thaw him out for the autopsy. Yeah. Um, and they would play the song on the set to make sure that they had the timing right with everything. Uh, yeah, really well coordinated. Um, that guy who is hanging there has actually sued the Simpsons for like $200 million or something stupid like that because one of Fat Tony's uh, mobsters like in, in the Simpsons, it, he looks very much like that guy. And so he's suing the Simpsons for an untold amount of money because that character showed up in the Simpsons for a while now. Huh. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what has happened with that uh, with that. Um, that lawsuit since it's been filed, but yeah. Remember that time we were talking about The Simpsons and I almost ran a stop sign because yeah. I was getting so riled up. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So everybody that's involved in this heist ends up, well, not everybody, but a lot of people end up dying because right. they want it untraceable. And yeah. he, Jimmy thinks people are just being stupid. So yeah. he just and offs them. He can't trust them, yeah. He can't trust them. So things start to get really intense because Henry all of a sudden has this huge, um, he's, he's getting addicted to cocaine mm-hmm. and all this all this drug activity and he's kind of getting himself um, in too deep and he starts panicking Yeah, and it, it's this is when it really starts to ramp up because he starts getting paranoid that people are going to come kill him Yeah, and um, and it's just the stakes are super high and this leads to probably my favorite scene in the entire film because I was I mean I was laughing so hard and, and it was great because you can tell that 
there's a scene where um, Henry, he's got this super busy day. He's I, I don't yeah. know if it is it his brother that comes to town. Yes, his brother comes to town. Yeah, and uh, Henry, I can't remember where he's going, but he he gets in his car. He's selling guns, I think, to, to Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna deliver the guns to Jimmy. Yeah, but he he gets in his car and he pulls out, and there's this helicopter following yeah. him, and he starts freaking out. Um, he thinks that they're after him. And so he's like, he's like filled with anxiety. But my favorite part about this is he was so worried about the tomato sauce right. back home because right. he was responsible for dinner that yeah. night. And to Italians, especially, and then mobsters, dinner is like big. Yeah. Like dinner is everything. Like food, like if you have food, right. you're... You're nobody. Yeah. Like the meat sauce, or the the tomato sauce has got to just be, yeah. it's got to be great. And I was laughing so hard because he was so concerned yeah. about that. Because he was in charge the, of the meat, the right? So he had to sauce. come out, yeah, do the meat. And... I loved it. I loved it so much. It was uh, great. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, I watched an interview with the editor of the film, and she said this is a this whole sequence is where they really kind of had fun with the editing to show how frenetic and how kind of frazzled Henry is at this point. I just always enjoy all the strange jump cutting that we did, you know, uh, Ray Liotta making veal cutlets and, and how we just uh, jumped around and just experimented and just had a hell of a lot of fun uh, violating every rule there is. During the previews, I got annoyed. The audience got annoyed, so I made it even faster, more relentless in a way. We can make it even more jagged. We can make it more fractured. And so we started doing more jump cuts. Yeah, and it, it did really well. And he's, like, sweating. And, yeah, and then him yeah. and Jimmy getting a little little argument because I can't remember why it's something about the guns I think and they're both just like but he doesn't so Henry doesn't edge. say anything he, and he says that in the film he's like I I knew he wasn't gonna like them right and I didn't say he doesn't say anything but Jimmy he, he got knew Jimmy yeah and, exactly yeah. Um, so yeah um, and I think after this is when a scene really um, popped out at me and I, it was one of those oh man type of scenes is where so they get word that Tommy is going to be promoted to a made man by Polly. Mm-hmm. And so they're all like, oh, man, that's so great. You know, like, you, we're in. Like, we're, we're in. They're thinking do, they're do in. you remember what the rules are for being made? No. <laughs> so it's um, you have to be. Uh, there's so much in this movie. There's no way you can get it all in one. So it's, it's you have to be a full-blooded uh, Italian. So they can trace your lineage back to Sicily. That's right. Uh, and you have to have an Italian last name. I think that's right. Do you know? <laughs> well, so I, when I was doing research for this this uh, episode, um, they, I read that they've since – the mafia has since changed the rules. Um, you have to have an Italian last name and only your father has to be um, um, uh, Italian. Huh. Uh, and so the thing is, is that only uh, of the three, only Jimmy can get, no, it's not Jimmy, only Tommy can get made because he's the only one who's Italian. Um, uh, Robert De Niro is half, uh, his character is half um, Irish and uh, Ray Liotta's is half Catholic, half Jewish, something, hmm. he's half. He's not. Uh, his last name is Hill, right? So, so, <laughs> so, 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 um, so. Tommy, yeah, he fits because of He's, all those. Yeah. Okay. Those by the way, very vague rules that I <laughs> just said. Sort by the of way, and maybe got wrong. 
There's a couple <laughs> scenes where we get to meet Tommy's mom. Yeah. Who is played by Martin Scorsese's mom. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Little random fact there. Yeah. For y'all. Um, she is hilarious. Hey, I'm teaching you movies. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole thing is random facts. Um, she's funny. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Um, anyway, it's it's kind of like a side thing. It's not, it's not. Did I you mean, did you laugh at the part I, I laughed at where she she said, "Did I tell you about my painting?" And then just pulls a painting from under and, the table, and he just starts like <laughs> ragging. On. He, doesn't doesn't she have a couple of them? I don't know. I thought there was a few. Anyway, yeah, it was. It's great. So anyway, back to the main plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Tommy, he thinks he's going to be a made man. Yep. Um, he gets word. And so... And, oh, and I, sorry, I should say, and the reason why they're, um, Jimmy and um, Henry are really excited about that is because they can't get made. So right. if if Tommy does, then it's like they're getting made too. Exactly. Yeah. That's why they were all like, oh, we're yeah. in um, because of Tommy. Right. And they're like, they, they're like the trio. They're right. like, yeah. they're pretty tight. So anyway, Tommy goes to meet Polly for his promotion or whatever and... And all of a sudden, he just gets shot in the head. Yeah. By the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind a little bit. There is another scene, and I just remembered this, where I was like, I was feeling intense, and yeah. I, I could feel the adrenaline going. And this is what I mean by an action scene, yeah. is there's a scene where I think they're playing cards. I think they're playing poker or something. And anyway, and I'm not sure who this kid is. But spider, yeah. Spider. So in this, uh, this actor shows up on Sopranos later, one of the oh. great characters on Sopranos, yeah. Um, he's like a, he's a young, he's a kid. And like, from my understanding, he's just, he's just getting into it. And he's like a little helper or like a little. Yeah. He gets drinks for them. He gets drinks for him. And anyway, Tommy being the hothead he is, ends up like, well, he says something, or I think the the kids tells Tommy to like fuck off or something. And so Tommy and everybody's like, oh man, that's awesome. Like he stood up, he stood up to Tommy and Tommy did not think it was funny at all. He turns around and shoots him in the leg. Yeah. And then. They're going, hey, man, like, why'd you shoot him in the lake? And then he turns around and shoots him in the head, I think. Uh, no, you're, you're mixing up two different scenes. This happens uh, two different scenes when they he shoots him in the leg or the, the foot. Um, and uh, then yeah, and the then foot. and then something other stuff happens. And then it cuts back to another poker game oh, where he's in a cast. Thing. And then uh, that's, that's right. And that's when he tells him. That, oh, that's right. That's, and then he tells him to f*** off. And, and, then, 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 and then he shoots him. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And, and this... Um, this is that scene actually was intense. It's it's intense, and this scene is actually kind of the fulcrum of yeah, that's right. I took physics. The fulcrum of the of the the movie where it it starts tipping from oh okay, this lifestyle's cool to um, to this is the turning point of the film for all of the characters is right. Tommy doing this sh- shooting spider. Yeah, yeah. So I hate to rewind there, but that's that was a that was a scene that that was really um, important, and it kind of. Um, shows just the brutality of and like the whole just like stone face right. of just you kill somebody yep. you don't even think twice and about that it. and that seals Tommy's fate by doing that yeah exactly uh, that basically and so from my understanding um, so they kind of trick Tommy Polly kind of tricks Tommy into thinking he's going to be a made man yeah and it, is it because Polly found out about um, Billy Bats Billy Bats yeah so but he didn't say anything to Tommy. And so anyway, when Tommy comes in to get his promotion, he just gets shot. Yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, yeah. wow, I thought he was going to be a made man. Nope. Um, so anyway, things start really going downhill quick for everybody else. <laughs> um, and it just ends in this giant spiral. Um, essentially what happens is um, Henry, there's a scene where 
I think it's it's the police or the FBI show up to his house and Karen. Yeah, because I mean, you, you've kind of you kind of mixed around scenes. So the the frenetic scene of all the drug stuff happens after this, I believe. Uh, um, what we were just talking about, because this is this is what gets uh, him thrown in jail, uh, and like and causes him to turn is when um, uh, uh, he his babysitter who is in on the the cocaine deal. This is during the helicopter scene, you yeah. mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, even though he tells her to use an outside line to set up the meeting with his suppliers in Pittsburgh, she uses the house phone. And um, and the, his phone has been bugged for a long time, and that's what gets him arrested by the FBI originally. Right. Yeah. So is it when he gets out? So they show up. To, so the FBI shows up to his house, right? And Karen panics um, right. because there's drugs in the house. And yep. so she ends up flushing it down the toilet. Right. As you do. As you do. Yeah. Um, and so when Henry gets back. And needs cash. Needs cash. Oh, so first he goes to Polly. Right. Or was that after? Anyway, at some point he goes to Polly asking, begging him for money, apologizing, begging him for money. Polly essentially gives him like 3200 bucks or yeah. something. And, and that, then... And then yeah, then they cut their relationship, yeah. and then that's when he goes home, panics. Right. Depending on that cocaine to bring in that 16 grand or whatever 60. it was. 60 grand. Yeah. Finds out Karen flushed down the toilet. Right. Things just start going bad. Yeah. Um, and and he's now scared of Polly as well because he um, he did exactly what he promised Polly he wouldn't do, which is sell drugs. Right. And so – the fact that he's been indicted uh, now puts Polly at risk because what has he told the FBI? You know, he can he can get rid of everyone now, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so after that, I think I'm trying to think if there's anything in between that and at the point when they just give up essentially, and they end up going to into the witness protection program. witness protection program, right? Because um, they don't know what else to do, yeah. and and he's so scared, and so Jimmy also he's afraid Jimmy's going to come kill him, right? Um, and so they decide to fold and essentially turn everybody in, right? And so they go to the witness protection program, mm-hmm. and they end up. I think one of the last scenes that they're in court with all of them, mm-hmm. and, and and this is actually a cool scene where for the first time, the only time in the film, it breaks the fourth wall, and Ray Liotta's talking directly to the to camera. the camera, and he gets yeah. like up and he starts walking, walking to, and yeah. I was like, whoa, wait, wait yeah. what's it's, going it's on? Really, I don't know. It's it's really cool. It was so great. The, this this whole movie plays with editing and the way it interacts with the the audience in a really cool way, um, with the voiceover, with really cool, uh, uh, with. Um, with freeze frame edits, with voiceover, uh, with all these things that make it a really engaging film. Whereas if it was shot like a very kind of traditional film, I don't think it would be nearly as um, engaging. Yeah. Yeah, it was one, definitely one thing that made this film unique and good. He goes in the witness protection program and he gives a testimony to have Polly and Jimmy arrested and convicted, um, ultimately getting forced out of the gangster life. Um, and so one of the last scenes is uh, Henry has to face living in the real world. And so they're living in like a, just a normal suburban mm-hmm. um, house. And the last line was, I'm an average nobody. Get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. Yeah. 
And essentially, he's just super depressed and bummed that he has to go live a normal life now. And did you notice normal? What, yeah, quote unquote. Did you notice what the the very last shot of the film is? You mean at their house? Or so it's even after that. It's uh, Joe Pesci pointing a gun at the camera and firing. Um, and so Martin Scorsese said this is a, an homage, an homage to um, the Great Train Robbery, hmm. which ends with a very similar shot of a character pointing a gun at the camera and shooting it. Hmm. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't notice that. Um, interesting. So yeah, and as we mentioned, true story actually happened as far as I know they're still in the witness protection program I don't know I didn't look into it uh, no they're not anymore oh. uh, well so him and Karen separated or have divorced uh, he is no longer in the witness protection program probably because everyone originally is dead Got busted or dead they're okay. they're all dead now um, so yeah he's out and he um, uh, he actually he's on the DVD commentary of the the film like you know, giving his input into it as well. Yeah. Oh, I'd like and to he see got that. paid actually quite a bit of money to be a consultant on the film. I'd like to see that. Yeah, the narration. Um, so yeah, I I thought ultimately I thought it was awesome. I yeah. thought it was a great film. Um, so who who would you recommend this movie to? If you if you had to rec- recommend it to a certain type well, of person, or as we mentioned before, it's definitely not a family friendly film. No. So it has great acting and great script. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who's interested in films that somewhat follow like real life events. Mm-hmm. Um, and also somebody who's really into like more of dialogue in films and not so right. much action. Because as we mentioned, it, it doesn't have, I mean, the action scenes, like they come fast and they're, they're quick. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa. But most of the movie is just dialogue. Yeah. Um, and it, they somehow make it really intense. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would make it I would recommend it to people who don't mind the lack of action. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nick, we've come to the point in the podcast where uh, it's time to assign you a movie so we can teach you movies. Uh, we're not going to go with a drama or an animated film this time. We're going to go a little bit different direction. We'll go with a, a, a comedy from England, jolly old England. We're going to go with uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, no, haven't seen it. Good. So heard a you, lot about it. Yeah. So you you've seen. Um, I think I remember you saying that you've seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I have. Yeah. So same director. Uh, his first feature film, uh, really well loved. Uh, it's a zombie satire film. I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm excited to talk to you about it. Sounds good. So, like always, people, if you would like to leave us feedback, you can email us at tnmpod at gmail You can always just reach out to us on social media. Um, Keep listening, share this with your friends, give us feedback, let us know what you like, what you don't like. If you have any movie suggestions that I may have not seen, yeah, pitch them. we got to teach Nick movies. So with that, talk to you later. Bid you farewell. Yeah, see ya. Bye. We'll just start that way. Because <laughs> I was thinking, because it's like, I, I always think like, don't say TNM Movies Podcast because the M stands for movies. It's, it's redundant. And so, yeah. like, oh wait, is there a P in there too that stands for podcast? Like, no, it's just the TNM podcast. It's like ATM machine. <laughs> what does ATM stand for? <laughs> <laughs>